This is Adam Rosh from Roshcast, and I want to welcome you to another episode of The Reveal, where I will take you inside the mind of a test taker to deconstruct and connect the dots of a board-style question so you can become a better student, transform how you learn, and excel not only on high-stakes exams, but also in your general medical knowledge. So let's get started. We have a 49-year-old woman who presents with chest pain and shortness of breath. Her pain is constant, non-exertional, and does not radiate into the back. She denies hemoptysis, history of previous venous thromboembolism, trauma, or surgery within the last four weeks, or unilateral leg swelling. She takes no medications. She smokes a half a pack of cigarettes per day. Her vital signs at triage are temperature 98.6, blood pressure 120 over 80, and heart rate 108. Her heart rate improves to 97 upon re-evaluation. Her physician decides to evaluate her for a pulmonary embolism. In addition to an ECG and chest x-ray, which of the following is the most appropriate next step in the diagnosis of pulmonary embolism? That was a lot of information in this question. And we are being asked to choose the next best diagnostic tool here. And what's really interesting about this question is if we look at the history, we're given essentially all of the risk factors for thrombosis, TBT or PE. We have no history of thromboembolism. There's no trauma, no surgery within the last four weeks and no unilateral leg swelling. So even before we got to the lead-in, I knew this question had to do something with thrombosis or pulmonary thromboembolism. And sure enough, it is. So the other kind of twist in this question is that the pain is constant and does not radiate to her back. We always think about a aneurysm or a dissection, really, thoracic dissection of the aorta when her chest pain radiates into the back. Okay, so let's decide on how are we going to choose the appropriate diagnostic study here. Well, the patient is clearly concerned for possible pulmonary embolism, but she has really no risk factors. Um, denies hemoptysis, no history of PE, no trauma, no surgery, no unilateral leg swelling. And this really all comes from Wells criteria. So she's, she's a low risk patient here. And with patients who are low risk, whether through Gestalt or through the use of Wells criteria, we could then apply the pulmonary embolism rule-out criteria or the PERC rule. However, in this case, the patient actually has a very important finding here. She is tachycardic. And tachycardia will exclude you from applying the PERC. Vital signs are vital for a reason, and this is an abnormal vital sign. So let's take that knowledge and look at our answer choices. Answer choice A is CT pulmonary angiogram. Well, you know, that certainly may be involved in the workup for pulmonary embolism. However, we have something that is you know, maybe a little less invasive. You know, we don't need contrast dye right now. And we don't need to expose this patient to radiation right now. There may be an alternative. So for now, I'm going to cross off answer choice A. 
Let's go to answer choice C. Well, use the pulmonary embolism rule-out criteria to exclude pulmonary embolism. Well, we just spoke about that. And because this patient is tachycardic with a heart rate of 108, unfortunately, we cannot apply the PERC criteria. So let's cross that out. So we're left with two answer choices, answer choice B and answer choice D. Let's look at answer choice D first, a VQ scan. Well, believe it or not, VQ scans are also invasive and do expose individuals to radiation. So if we did not choose answer choice A for those reasons, then we shouldn't choose answer choice D at this time because there's really the same reason. So let's cross that out. And what we're left with, and let's see if this could be the answer choice, answer choice B, a D-dimer followed by a CT pulmonary angiography angiogram if the D-dimer is positive. This sounds right to me, right? So we have a relatively non-invasive test. I mean, we do have to get blood, but we have a D-dimer. And if the D-dimer is negative and we feel that this patient is low risk, the patient could, the workup for pulmonary embolism could move to something else to figure out what her chest pain is being caused by. But if the D-dimer is positive, then we need a subsequent study. And in this case, it would be a CT pulmonary angiogram. So I am going to choose answer B and see what we get here. And sure enough, answer choice B is correct. And we get to see what the PERC criteria is in the explanation. Hey everyone, before you go, remember you could also watch the reveal at the Rosh Review YouTube channel where you can see me interact with the actual question and answer choices. And if you're interested in your own QBank, whether you're an MD or DO, a PA or an MP, simply go to the roshreview.com website and sign up for a free trial. Keep learning, keep working hard, and always have a sense of mission about your work. Now is your time. This is Dr. Adam Rosh, signing off.